welcome to the Top Advisor Marketing Podcast brought to you by Proudmouth. I'm your host, Matt Halloran. Being your own loud is not new to marketing, but the mindset, strategies, and resources to help you get there are evolving faster than this industry is keeping up. It is time to find a new perspective on what works why and how to move your business forward. Listen as I interview guests to help you learn from them how to be your own loud. Let's get to the show. Hello and welcome to another Top Advisor Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Halloran. You know, I love meeting new people. And what I love even more is when you feel a very quick and immediate connection. And there's a reason why our guest today, Natalie, one, you need to stop the podcast right now and follow her on LinkedIn, because that is the reason she's on the show for me personally. Her engaging content on LinkedIn, really talking about stuff that we've been talking about for over 400 episodes now on the Top Advisor Marketing Podcast is a morning read. When you get up in the morning, you need to do what I do, which is, you know, get your coffee, open up LinkedIn and and see what Natalie has to say. So make sure that you're following her on LinkedIn and we'll have a link in our show notes. But today what we're going to do is we're going to dive in very deeply into niche marketing or niche marketing, right? The most important thing that you all can understand is it is a mindset shift. And Natalie is an expert with this. And we're going to dive into her brain, the wonderful world of Natalie Hale's brain. So welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Matt. That was such a lovely introduction. I really appreciate it. Well, I don't know if you know this, but the reason why I started following you is because Jessica on our team follows you and absolutely loves everything that you wrote. And she's like, Matt, you need to check this person out. And man, I've been hooked ever since. So I want to thank Jessica Brown for her time and absolutely her fandom of you specifically. Now, Let's take a moment because I like sharing people's stories. It's really why I do this. Your rise to where you are right now is a great story. So why don't you give us just a a quick synopsis on how you started this agency that you started? Yeah, yeah. My, you know, my journey into financial services marketing actually started almost 12 years ago now. And so I was fresh out of university and I started working at a marketing firm and I just had this huge family cash tree. My dad actually had a a major stroke and my mom was already on disability. And so we were just, I'm a middle child, kind of blue collar immigrant family. So we, we hadn't really done anything in regards to getting insurance or having any policies in place or anything like that. So being very new to the working world and having both my parents become disabled overnight was huge for me. So I had a very, very kind boss at the time who gave me all the time in the world, but then also said, look, you have to see my financial advisor. You need to get your stuff together because we ended up finding out that it was caused by a rare hereditary disease. So myself and my brother and my sister, we had a 50-50 shot of getting it too. So we were scrambling, right? And so he said, you need to go see my financial advisor. And so I, it didn't even cross my mind. So I'm so thankful that he brought it up. But also I was also of the mindset that financial advisors were only for the rich. And so I was that typical mindset. And so I thought this, you know, this advisor is going to be doing his fancy client a favor by meeting with me. And so I met with him and he was lovely, sat me down gave me all the education I needed, put everything in place and kind of let me know everything I needed to do before, you know, I had my own testing. So 
everything ended up, you know, I, I ended up putting all those policies in place and, you know, going through my own testing, coming back negative, thank goodness. But, you know, it was a really, really crazy time. And I just remember thinking, thank goodness for this financial advisor educating me and helping me put everything in place like a snap, like so quickly. He was just, and also he was super empathetic. He was, he also had his father pass away at the same age my dad was and at the same kind of age I was at the time from heart attack. So he really empathized with my situation. And so that made a huge difference as well. And so I went, when I went back to my marketing firm, I said, look, if there's work with financial advisors. That's where I want to be. And so we started to work more and more with financial advisors. We actually helped to develop the consulting program at Canada Life. And when they saw a gap in the market for a new consulting team for teaming and transition, so like pairing junior advisors with senior advisors, business development, practice management, that sort of thing, I start. I was invited to work on that team. So that's where I started working with Canada Life. And I started doing you know tons of business development and practice management and operations and things like that. But I did that for a few years and really missed the creative side of things. So I eventually started to really miss that. I loved working with financial advisors, but wanted to do more creative work. Moved up to the group side of In Canada Life and began branding for some of our high value clients, branding their market, their retirement savings programs. And so that's kind of where I ended up getting my branding chops. So now I've kind of got marketing, business development, and then branding. But, you know, I was at a point where I missed working with financial advisors. So I was back full circle. And so there was no kind of corporate role available that would allow me to do both, to help advisors both on the business development side, as well as creatively. And so that's how I decided to start my own firm. And that's what brought me about to kind of moving away from the corporate world and starting my own my own marketing agency. And so now I do branding and marketing for financial advisors. And I, I have my own, my own program and my own kind of signature framework that I walk advisors through. And, and so far, so good. I've been really lucky you know, to kind of kick things off the bang and things are going really well. One of the things that you're famous for saying, and you say this regularly on LinkedIn, is you have to stop serving everybody. Let's talk about this because you know, especially coming from Canada Life, right, that especially in the world of insurance, anybody who can fog a mirror really is your potential client. But we know that that doesn't work in the world of financial services, especially as a financial advisor. So let's talk about that. Yeah, I love that saying. And are you serving anyone who will fog a mirror? Because it's so, it's very typical that advisors maybe don't focus in on exactly who they should be serving. And so, you know, why they should be doing that is because the smaller and more well-defined your niche is, the stronger your positioning can be, right? The more compelling you can be. So if you are just serving everybody, you're just talking to everybody, you're really just talking to nobody. You're diluting your message. You're, you're, you know, you're actually increasing your competition, not decreasing it. You're hurting your expertise. People don't even know about it. You, it's really, and I, the advisors that I work with, a lot of kind of, you know, what they're doing is, initially lacking cohesiveness, right? And so, and then they're missing opportunities. They're missing great opportunities. It's actually doing the opposite. We have a lot of advisors who think that niching actually limits who they can work with. When in actual fact, it's the opposite, right? If you're serving everybody, it's the opposite. Well, I, I have to stop you there because 
it doesn't seem to that message doesn't seem to settle in for advisors. There's this strong repulsion to the statement that you just made, even though you and I consistently are telling them that research show research, actual research shows that. How do you help advisors have the epiphany? Because they have to come to it themselves. They can listen to experts like you and I all day long, but until they make the decision that they're going to have an actual niche, how do you help advisors overcome that major objection or roadblock? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, this stems from fear, like it's a natural fear, but it's just, like you said, it's one that's not based in facts and research. So we know a lot of the fear comes from the worry that they might cut off potential revenue when in actual fact, you know, 70% of top financial advisors have a specialized niche and they're make, like the, the ones that are doing that are making 1 million or more annually. So the stats aren't supporting that, but it is a fear. You know, the work that I do is personal. So the process that I take them through is personal. So we start off really understanding their interests and how, and their own processes as well. And I, I get to know them on a deeper level. And then we, how I actually overcome that fear is by helping them see who they can actually work best with. Um, so who they should be serving based on who they are as a person and who they can actually relate to as a person. And so, and then what I end up doing is some of the work that I end up doing with them, like their headlines and their taglines, help them see it clearly. But what really cements it in for them, you know, the feedback that I've got is the origin story. When they can see how their story fits perfectly with their target audience, all of a sudden they're, it's, it hits them at an emotional level and they're like, oh, snap, I, this is exactly who I should be serving. That emotional epiphany, uh, when, when they're communicating their value proposition, when they're actually communicating to that niche specifically, there is so much more emotional weight behind those statements than, well, I help, you know, I help people retire comfortably. Okay, great. That's 65 million Americans or whatever it is, right? It's, it's unbelievable, right? But when you're saying things like, I come from first generation, you know, immigrants in the United States, my parents were entrepreneurs, they, and, and I'm just using your story, right? You know, and then all of a sudden these health issues came along and we didn't even realize what we needed to have in place. I don't want anybody to have the same feeling I and my family felt, which is why I want to talk to you about this city. It's a totally different different, different conversation. Now, let's talk about defining it. So you have deep conversations, emotionally charged conversations with advisors to help them uncover this. So after you have helped them uncover it, how do you help them start packaging this new way that they're going to communicate to clients and prospects? Yeah. So that's a, that, that emotional aspect of it is a lot of my discovery process, but the actual defining of the niche is kind of logical. It's kind of technical. So you can kind of think about it like two circles within a larger circle. And so it's defining your mega market, getting down to your market segment, and then eventually a slice of that to your market niche. So a lot of advisors who think they have a niche actually don't, right? They have a, a target demographic, you know, like millennials or women. And so that's a whole demographic and not a, a, not a niche. So what I do is we take them through their mega market, which is, you know, a large group of people that they 
share that share financial issues or interests. And so we look at we look at that part first, and that's kind of the outer circle. Then we we take them in a little further, and we say, okay, let's look at your market segment. Your this is a group within your mega market that you can relate to and have experience in. And so then we kind of whittle it down a little bit again. And then we say, okay, let's get down to your market niche. This is a small slice of your market segment that you can potentially own. And so there's a little bit of competitor research that goes into that. But yeah, at the end of the day, we're looking at things like price, geography, demographics, psychographics, industries, that sort of thing. But that is the process in a nutshell. Just hearing you say that, one of the things that, that popped into my head, is, and I hear this as an objection often, is, well, okay, Natalie, if I start focusing on this very narrow niche that I want to work with, it's going to exclude my existing clients. How do you overcome that objection? Right. Yeah. So it actually does the opposite. I know that advisors think that they're going to be cutting off the whole revenue stream, but the authority that they gain from specializing either in a product or a, specific, a specialized group of people actually lends them expertise. And so naturally what that does for us is gets people interested and says, if they can do it for these people, they, these if he's a specialist or she's a specialist in this, she can probably help me solve my problem. And so it's, it's the level of expertise and authority actually gets you more of your specialized your specialized niche, but then also lends you the credibility that you need to get people outside of your niche as well. Well, and it also makes it easier for your existing clients to refer business to you because now they know exactly what you're looking for. And you can say, hey, I work with nurse anesthetists in, in the tri-state area. You know, do you know anybody who's in? Well, I don't know a nurse anesthetist, but, you know, I know a anesthesiologist. All right. Well, you know what? They're kind of, they, they have some of the same issues and I would love to have that introduction. So Bill Cates is, is a very good friend of Proudmouth and has been a mentor of mine for many, many years. And I love how he talks about utilizing niche marketing to increase your overall referrals, which is what advisors actually think are going to decrease their overall referrals. All right. So you said, and one of the things that I actually love about you and what you offer to financial services professionals is there's science behind it. And then there's the creative art behind it, which is a beautiful balance that you bring to advisors. I want to talk a little bit about the science here because there are very few marketing firms out there that do any sort of competitive or competitor analysis. Let's talk about that a little bit. Tell me about your process. Yeah, I work collaboratively with the advisor to look at, okay, who is your current competitor? Does that relate to your niche? Probably not. We've more, more likely than not, we've probably taken that advisor to a completely different direction. And so we actually need to look at their niche. So who are they working with now? Like, is that tied to price, geography, a certain demographic, that sort of thing? And who in the space of that would be their competitor? And so, and when I say competitor, I don't exactly mean that person will be competing head to head, right? Because there's more than enough to go around. I don't believe in that attitude at all. I think that people do do work with people. And so that that mentality is something that I don't want to encourage. However, it's really important that we look at how are those people positioning themselves? Because it's important for you not to copy that, for you to then differentiate yourself on using another scale. So 
it's more or less who are they where are they what are they saying how are they positioning themselves and what do you have that's completely different and that we can really you know zoom in on or kind of portray as this advisor's angle that is completely different to make sure that he or she is the only Hey, it's Matt jumping in for a second. Are you an advisor who wants to go from being the seeker of clients to being sought after? Then influence is your answer. It's the only marketing that's left for today's advisors. If you wanna know how much influence you have right now and how to get more of it, take our free five minute test and get your influence scorecard. Just go to proudmouth.com to start. What I want you to do is I want you to give us a, a kind of, you said you have case studies. So, so give us a real life example of you taking somebody through this process, because I mean, there's, there's a lot, we could go a lot deeper in all of those sorts of process things, but I want an advisor to hear a story that you tell so that they can hear this and say, yeah, that that's me. I need to go ahead and take this step. One advisor that I was working with recently is the poster child for being terrified to meet. <laughs> really honestly believe that scared of cutting off that money, that potential money. And so decided to work with me and go for it anyway, because they were transitioning away from working with a firm to them being independent and knew what they were doing now wasn't working. They were focused on DIY investors and retirees, but felt like they kept flip-flopping backwards and forwards. And so I contacted this person because I noticed that their headline kept changing, their messages kept changing. And I thought that this person really had something because they also talked about burnout. Like on a personal level, this person moved away from working at a firm because they were burnt out a little bit. And then now they're doing their own thing and they're very happy, but I could just tell they couldn't decide who to focus on. And also, you know, it was almost like two different people. Like, you know, there's all the work messages that were all about DIY investing, like what to do if you're a retiree, and you know, that sort of thing. But then there was these personal messages about, you know, burnout, living the life to the fullest. And so it was bipolar. And so, so I contacted him and just developed a relationship like I encourage advisors to do and just asked, what's the reasoning behind the flip-flopping all the time? And he let me know, you know, that this is his niche, but he's very, you know, personally focused on this as well. So he wants to do both. And so I started talking to him about all the things that we've spoken about today and um, convinced him to work with me. And from that point, it was, we took him through the process of really understanding his story and kind of really understanding what he wanted to do as an advisor and did the discovery work did the niche definition work, took him through it, had in that first meeting, had huge revelations, like, oh my gosh, this second, you know, off, he was kind of offering a three-tiered service. You know, this second tier is just draining me and it's not even necessary. And so he ends up cutting out that second tier and raising his prices, focusing on a niche that he is now, you know, extremely intrigued with their problems and also passionate about it. So he he also knows now kind of like the level of focus and clarity that he has now because he has now working with his ideal client who it gives him that motivation. And now he has this momentum. We've kind of done some work to kind of position 
him around that. So headlines, taglines, summaries, bios, that sort of thing. And now he knows exactly when we moved into the strategy phase, the three kind of like tactics he should be focusing on in order to reach that target audience and the messages that he should be using to res really resonate with them. So now he's set up for, you know, six to 12 months in terms of what he should be doing. And if it's anything outside of that, he doesn't want to hear about it. He's laser focused. So he has, he is one of my, my favorite case studies because he was the poster child for the fear of niching down and went through this entire process, gained that focus and clarity on exactly what he should be doing, who he should be talking to, what he should be saying. And also was very surprised to find out that he's now attracting people outside of his niche and getting more business than he ever had before to the point where he has now raised his prices by 60%. You know what? I'm going to let you unpack that when people reach out to you. So, so, cause there's a lot there that I think you just really, you, you triggered in a really good way, a lot of advisors who are going to want to reach out to you, but I want to talk about the process specifically. So from the time that he said yes, until the time that he had these epiphanies and that he had this 12 month plan, how long does it take when people are working with you? Yeah, so my program is an eight-week program. We take them from strategy to activation in eight weeks. We give them the opportunity. So that's defining your niche. That's crafting your positioning. That is designing your marketing strategy and telling your stories. And then at the end of that eight weeks, you have the decision to implement with me and my team, or some advisors have that in-house and they choose to implement kind of in-house, but they know what they should be doing. And so we give them the option after eight weeks, the process with us of going through the niche funnel and doing niching, positioning and messaging to then continue with us or continue maybe with their own in-house team. All right, let's talk about that because Kirk and I talk about this on this show all the time, how important it is to find a trusted person that you can outsource your marketing to because no matter how good you think you are at it, you're a freaking financial advisor and you should outsource it. So what is fulfillment or what does that next phase look like with your practice? Yeah. So I'm also a certified agile project manager. So on, for me, that looks like they now become the stakeholder and I become the project manager. And I am, depending on what their strategy entails, I'm bringing in the right designers, writers, developers, that sort of thing that they need to then you know, facilitate the project. And it's run like a project after that. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's uh, what I do is I, you know, I serve as the project manager, but then, and I also have a lot of general expertise myself, but then I bring in the right experts to make sure that things go smoothly and, and land on time. Well, I love the fact that you are very structured and very systematized and that you're forcing the advisors to really understand that this is a project, that this isn't a whimsical marketing thing, you know, because I mean, Natalie, we were just at Jolt and, and I know you go to conferences and I go to conferences and advisors will see this shiny person on stage that are promising to solve all of their marketing issues. They go back to their office, they do it for about three months dies on the vine, and then they're upset with us, the marketers, because the marketing didn't work, because they didn't implement. I love that you offer a fulfillment component because what happens a lot of times is you get all that pre-work done and then they get busy and they, and they don't implement. Yeah, that's absolutely fantastic. Now, there's one final question that I have. When you say that 
went, that advisor that you used in that case study was also attracting people outside of the niche. How did that happen if they're so laser focused? Yeah, so he does have targeted messaging around burnout. So we've developed common themes, common pillars of things that he should be talking about that resonate with his with his niche. Just like I talk about the fact that I'm an introvert, I'm a middle child, I'm, you know, blue collar family. And it's like those things actually resonate with a certain profile. And so he's attracting that certain profile by talking about these common themes. And so he he is having he's setting up a podcast. He posts on LinkedIn all the time. And, you know, he is also working on email strategy and whatnot. So all of these things are working to then bring in his niche, but then he's attracting people who also just feel compelled to him personally on a personal level. Yeah. So using, you know, some of the things that he's talking about with his, with his pillars. Gotcha. That's absolutely fantastic. So once again, the more laser focused you are, the more business you're going to get, and then even more auxiliary business, because people are going to feel that you're real and authentic, in our words, unapologetically yourself, uh, because you're actually rising above the noise to be your own loud specifically to drive the right people with poll marketing. And we don't even have time to get into that, sister. That'll be another show at another time. But that's what Natalie teaches. So she's talking about attracting this attraction sort of poll marketing system that we know is the future. Remember, everybody, people don't want to be sold to anymore. They want to buy from you. All right, Natalie, I'm sure that there's going to be people who want to reach out to you. Let's talk about some ways that they can uh, find out more about who you are and what you do. Yeah. Um, like you mentioned at the beginning, I'm on LinkedIn Monday through Friday, every day, 9 a.m. Check out my post, but please connect with me on LinkedIn. Uh, send me a message, book a virtual coffee. I love meeting new advisors and people in the industry, so I'm happy to chat. So yeah, Check me out on LinkedIn, connect with me, and book a virtual coffee. Fantastic. All right. Here's my favorite question that I always save until the end, which is, what should I have asked you that I didn't? Maybe what should you do before you go on social media? <laughs> Obviously, you know, without a clear niche, you're going to struggle, right? It's really only once you've defined your niche, you've done your positioning, and you've built your talking points that you're actually going to be able to build trust with your audience. I have a lot of advisors who just jump into social media and that's not really the way to go about it. It's really like the things we talked about, define your market niche, do your competitor research, create a messaging strategy, and then show up on social media. I just think it's so funny. People will say, well, I don't have any social media, you know, really right now. And it's amazing to me because there's still actual quite a lot of people in financial services who will say, I hate social media. Okay, well, here's the deal. You're not a web programmer either. And so, you know, social media is not one of those things that is optional anymore. It is actually how people communicate and it's how people use the internet to get to know who you are and what makes you unique and different. Natalie, I am so honored to know you. Thank you so much for all the great work that you do for advisors. And I really want to thank you for being on the show. Oh, thank you, Matt. It was a pleasure. All right, everybody, listen, if you are working on some of this stuff and you want to just dip your toe in and kind of feel what Natalie was saying, you can join the Pod Rocket Academy for free. Start dipping your toes into this stuff. Start learning a little bit about it because it would be great if you were maybe at the 40 or 50 yard line before you call Natalie uh, so that she knows that you're serious and you're ready to go. Pod Rocket Academy is free. Plus, if you want to find out how influential you are today, are you? do you have the right mind? 
mindset and do you have the right behaviors surrounding your marketing to be more influential, please take our free five-minute Pod Rocket Influence Assessment, which is also on our website. So for Natalie and all of us here at Proudmouth, this is Matt Haller, and we'll see you on the other side of the mic very soon. Thanks for listening to the Top Advisor Marketing Podcast brought to you by Proudmouth. If you want to know more about how you can be your own loud, visit us at proudmouth.com and sign up for the Pod Rocket Academy. Through courses and office hours led by professional podcast producers and digital marketers, you will learn everything you need to know to become the trusted subject matter expert you were meant to be.